Thank you, Anne-Marie. Your passion for our youth and their faith education is a testament to what we promise to do when our children are baptized. I, as well as many others, am grateful for your gentle kindness and your commitment to our church. You are always an inspiration to me. To Luke and Izzy, thank you. You guys rock. You did a great job. And to Jody, Todd, and Noreen, thank you for being here as great support. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention that are in the bulletin. Um, one of them is the Manchester Community Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. That's this Wednesday already. And the second one is the first book club meeting this Tuesday. And the book is The God Who Sees. And this book is awesome. I started it, and the questions are so relevant to what the world is going through today. Um, if you don't have a chance to purchase the book, you can Google online Karen Gonzalez, and she does an hour uh, speaking with at one of the universities, and she kind of does a summary of the book. It's wonderful, and the questions are amazingly thought-provoking. Some of you may know that I am a member of our church's SPRC committee. That stands for Staff Parish Relations Committee. I've been on there for two terms, once by invitation and the second time at my request. It sounds strange to volunteer for SPRC. But here's the thing. One of Pastor Dillon's first official calls to me was to me on July 5th, 2017, the day my sister passed away. Pastor and I hadn't even met. Someone in our wonderful caring congregation had contacted him and let him know of her passing. I am forever grateful to that person and also to Pastor Dillon. Once I met him, I found his energy to be contagious. I was inspired by his passion for ministry and was intrigued by his visions for our church. You see, part of the job of SPRC is to critique the pastor and set goals with him. When pastor asked me to do this message, I said, no. I'm not a lay speaker. It hadn't even crossed my mind to take up worship leader class or do a message. After I said no, ideas started flowing. And then advised me that as a lay servant, I am automatically a member of the worship education committee. And when pastor informed us that he still needed someone to do today's message, I found myself in a conundrum. SPRC pastor's goals on one side and education and worship committee on the other side. And I heard the Lord call my name. So friends, here I am. I stand before you unqualified. In fact, my only qualification Maybe that I played a non-speaking nun in a seventh-grade play. <laughs> in spite of that, I'm answering the call to help our beloved Pastor Dylan reach two of his goals for 2022. One is to take all of his vacation, and number two is to ask and receive help from the congregation. Please pray with me. From Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, 
our rock and our redeemer. I invite you to use the insert in the bulletin to follow along with the message if you wish. I'm going to start by telling you three stories. I love you, but it's messy and God sees our heart. We'll start with I love you, but. When my daughter Megan was five years old, I would tuck her into bed and she would say, I love you, mommy. My response was, I love you too, but it's time to go to bed. Being in kindergarten, she replied, mommy, don't say but. (laughs) You see, this was on the naughty words list in kindergarten. As I learned later in life through counseling, she was right. Using but in the middle of a sentence takes away from the first part of the sentence. The first lesson, God loves us, no buts about it. I'm convinced in Romans 8, 38 through 39, Paul tells us, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death, not life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. No buts about it. Okay, I added that last part. (laughs) Story number two, it's messy. Mitch and I have an art center in our basement. There's a bench and there's paints and glue and styrofoam and leftover cardboard and any other thing that you can recycle, paint, cut, or glue. When my granddaughters, Izzy and Noel, were around five, they would go downstairs and create. Well, one day, I went downstairs and it was completely a mess. And when I asked what was going on, Noel, without ever looking up, said, Grandma, you told us the messier we are, the more creative we are, which I did. The second lesson, God created us, and sometimes it gets messy. Romans 8.28 from the New Testament tells us, But we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The last story is God Sees Our Heart. It is about Johnny Glenn III, my seven-year-old grandson, who you know as LJ. I am forever amazed at the way this child looks at the world. We were sledding during the last snowstorm. While he was sledding, I was standing. Mitch and I decided to bring a long white rope because we thought it would be easier to help the kids up the hill. Well, Johnny Glenn enjoyed sledding, but he loved that rope even more. There was a little girl about five having trouble getting up the hill, and LJ was intent on helping her and instructed her to grab the rope, and then he gently put his other hand on her back to help her. It truly was a sweet moment. The third lesson is from the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The Lord looks at the people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Friends, we know that God loves us. As John tells us in our gospel reading today, as the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. It seems so easy, but, okay, I purposely used it here. 
It seems like the messy is what trips us up. Life can get hard. We are broken people. We grieve the deaths of loved ones, friends, the loss of jobs, illness, relationships, relationships that aren't perfect, and the relationships that we long for. We struggle with how to make sense of the horrors of the world. What's going on in the Ukraine? Racial divides, the divisions in our church, COVID. The list goes on and on. As children of God, we are not immune to tragedy, loss, or grief. It doesn't mean we have to jump immediately to look at the bright side either. It is important to process loss, pain, and grief. Sometimes the worst storms can be used to perfect us in our faith. When things get messy for you, where do you turn? Do you hide? Do you withdraw? Do you get angry? Or do you find ways to connect? I know that feeling of not wanting to connect. I have dealt with deep depression and anxiety for most of my life. Deep depression started for me when I was 19, when I lost my first son shortly after birth. I became disconnected, felt helpless. I definitely wasn't connected to the church, and truthfully, I was angry at God. Through the years, depression has literally kept me in bed for days at a time, if I let myself disconnect. It is hard for some of us to seek out any time of connect any type of connection, but there are people out there available to help. Again, easier said than done. But asking for help is a gift. Friends, it is a gift to ask for help because giving and receiving help can be healing for both parties. Whether we like it or not, and sometimes we don't like it, we are made for community. We are made for relationships with God and with others. From the creation story and all through the Bible, there are countless stories of community and people helping others. In your bulletin and online is a link to a website for the State of Michigan Stay Well Crisis Counseling Program. The program uses federal disaster fund fund grant funding to provide mental health support services and is funded by FEMA. There is no charge, and there are crisis counselors available 24-7. There are online groups where you can join and participate or just listen via Zoom. I have participated both ways, and the professionals are amazingly compassionate and knowledgeable. I would highly recommend checking out the website and especially the workshop entitled Coping with Grief and Loss. A Detroit oldie but goodie you may know is Dr. Wayne Dyer. He's a famous author and spiritual guide who passed away, unfortunately, in 2015. One of Dr. Dyer's famous quotes is, when we take the time to change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. I'll repeat that. When we take the time to change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. This is certainly true in my first three stories. I love you, but it's messy, and God sees the heart. 
The concept of messiness and looking at things differently also permeate the stories and lessons of the Bible. Bible stories almost always challenge us to look at the circumstances with an open mind and an open heart through the eyes of our faith. Jesus continually did not give us the answers to questions, but challenges us to think for ourselves with compassion and justice at the forefront. As we come into the season of Lent, we are challenged to look at ourselves. We prepare ourselves to experience the unfathomable pain of the crucifixion of God's only Son, and then three days later experience the joy of the resurrection of Jesus with the eyes of hope. Almost five years ago, I watched my younger only sister suffer when she was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. Panic, anger, and fear were our first reactions. She prayed a lot with her son, Brian, and we also prayed a lot. We prayed before surgery as I brushed her hair, and after surgery, when she thought there was somebody running a chainsaw in the next room. We were especially grateful when there was no surgery, no chemo, no radiation. We enjoyed days together laughing about the chainsaw and crying our last tears together. The doctors initially gave her six months to live, but fortunately for us, she lived another two years. She would say it could always be worse. Friends, she was in pain every day and throwing up every day while driving herself to work, and she still would say it could always be worse. She had a wonderful sense of humor and used it to touch a lot of people during those last two years. She was proud, strong, and stubborn. She didn't like to ask for help, and she had every right to be angry at the situation. She would say she didn't like people because of past hurts and alienated herself. Through the process, though, in those last two years, we saw a transformation in her. She was in a position where she had to connect with people, and she had to rely on them for kindness and help. She was blessed, and I believe she was emotionally healed by the love and kindness she felt from and shared with others. So how do we get to that point where we can take the time to change the way we look at things? In Paul's letter to the people of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18, Paul tells us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks, be grateful, and pray. Pray with every breath, breathe in joy, and breathe out desperation. Prayer can refocus us in the midst of a storm. Prayer is the key to the connection with God. Prayer opens us up to be vulnerable so we can look at our hearts and the hearts of others. Prayer is the deepest form of intimacy, whether it be with God or with each other. It allows us to speak our hurts, request help, and process our feelings. I believe God does some of his best work in and through us when we pray with one another and share the messiness in our lives. 
As we all know so well in our church community, sharing stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly, strengthens our church family. God knows our hearts, and he hears our prayers however we talk to him. Sometimes, though, we are challenged to know what to say, what to pray, especially when prayers are spoken aloud or when we are in the midst of the messiness. I'd like to take a couple of a couple of minutes to go over a couple of prayer suggestions for when you are struggling with prayer. Maybe you remember the ACTS prayer, A-C-T-S. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We've done that in Sunday school, so perhaps you remember it from there. Adoration, first before anything else, adore God, worship him. Tell him how good he is. This helps keep our eyes and focus off of ourselves and places them on God. Confession. We ask God to forgive us for our sins or confess how we may have displeased him. We confess any missed opportunities to be the eyes, ears, feet, and arms of Christ. Not to beat ourselves up, but so we can be aware of those opportunities the next time. God sees our hearts and grants us forgiveness. Thanksgiving, tell God the many ways he has blessed you. Thank him even in the hard things. Sometimes it is in those darkest moments of life that Jesus Christ shines more brilliantly and brightly. Supplication, this is where we pray for anyone and everyone that God places on our hearts including ourselves. We ask God to surround others with prayer. We also know that God can see our heart when we ask for his help. With God's divine intervention, we can change our reaction to a situation from anger and hatred to one of kindness and grace. I'd like to show you another type of prayer that I learned while researching this message. It's called the body prayer from the order of St. Julian of Norwich. If any of you remember in Pastor Dylan's icon series, he introduced us to St. Julian of Norwich, who was a spiritual guide and author in the late 1300s, early 1400s. I found out that the order of St. Julian of Norwich is a contemplative monastic order of the Episcopal Church with headquarters in White Lake, Wisconsin. The body prayer is said to encompass St. Julian's writings. It is also helpful when words fail us. You can say it once or you can use it a mantra, repeating it until you feel a sense of calm. Await. Await God's presence, not as you expect, hope, or imagine but just as it is in the moment. Allow, allow a sense of God's presence to come and be what it is without meeting any expectations. Accept, accept as it a gift, whatever comes or does not come. Accept that you are not in charge. Accept the infinity of God's presence, present whether or not you are aware. Attend. Attend to what you are called to do. 
actions that God invites you to from the stance of openness. I even read where amid COVID and social distancing, one church adapted this prayer as a greeting. Peace be with you. Lastly, friends, as we leave, I invite you to consider taking time to change the way you look at Lent. Beginning March 8th, Tuesday at 7, and Wednesday, March 9th at 1, we will be offering two discussion for Kate Bowler's book, Good Enough. There is also a 40-ish day journal to accompany the study. Come explore with us as we look at being good enough during a time of Lent when we are usually called to focus on our imperfections. We are planning for sessions to be both in person and via Zoom. If you have not signed up yet, I invite you to do so. Thank you, friends, for your time and attention. May your days be filled with love, peace, joy, and happiness. Peace be with you. I now invite you to stand for our offering hymn, Lord, I lift your name on